lump off mom what's wrong with me can you keep your evil doing quiet finn is dealing with some heavy stuff over here unacceptable i'm not cut out for adventuring finn you messed the beat up i just want to sit here and moan then i'll moan with you buddy Hello out there, folks. Welcome to the Conversation Parade from the Infinite Guest Network. I'm Mike Eagle, and uh, John Moe is here. Hi, John. Do you find that the more we talk about it, the more kind of your brain starts to, to unfold and you end up with more questions than answers? Absolutely. I fell, I fell and have fallen and have jumped down many <laughs> rabbit holes. So I'm glad we're able to, to kind of have each other to talk to about it and, and talk to some of the people from the show today. Uh, we're going to play the conversation of me talking to Jeremy Shada, who is the voice of Finn. The singing that I do in the show is obviously, you know, me singing as Finn. So there's kind of got to be a certain amount of, uh, usually the songs on the show kind of have a certain amount of like spontaneity to them. Kind of like I get in the booth, they're like, oh, do you have a song today? I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was very hard to talk to Finn, John. It was very hard <laughs> for me to talk. To. I was because- a little starstruck talking to Finn, I have to admit. Yeah, well, and he's and he's so so young, so much younger and more spry than than us. Yeah, it's like talking to a um, like a young like an NBA player. So, you know, like somebody's really younger than you and really successful. Right. And, <laughs> right. Yes. So he's the Andrew Wiggins of voiceover uh, <laughs> exactly talent. Right. I think we're going to talk about Finn's dad, and mm-hmm. th- this is. I know this to be an obsession of yours that transcends mere thought and made its way into actual music for you. That's true. That is true. Um, I have a line in a song that said, is that Finn's father or just an imposter? Because, and I had to really think about why I wrote that. I didn't think about it at the time very much since. And I keep having to say it on stage. I'm like, why did I write that? And I wrote that because as we were introduced to Martin, um, I kept having this sensation that this could not be Finn's dad. It just can't. It just can't. Um, Why not? There's, there's, there's. I mean, they look kind of alike. They, you know, they have the same eyes, and that's yeah. about it, as far as we can tell. But just the 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 personalities are so different, so different. Like they're both. Uh, they both have the will to adventure. Yes. But but Martin is so selfish he's so relentlessly selfish <laughs> like and and it's and it's it's selfish in these ways that that are that are strange like he makes these temporary partnerships with people you know or with entities in situations and as soon as you know it's no longer beneficial to him it's like you know see you never knew you right <laughs> catch right you, catch you on the flip side as you as as i leave you to your death <laughs> it's very it's very not like finn and it kind of bugs me to to think that uh to think that he came from that well yeah you're the only person i know who makes the leap that that he might be an imposter i think most other people say oh he's a he's a jerk but he's you know the the standard type of the the jerk dad who left a long time ago and now wants to you know be part of your life or or then kind of shows up and is still a jerk that seems pretty familiar to a lot of people well you know a, another thing that kind of made my alarms go off was that uh when we were first introduced to Martin and you know Finn's very happy to see him right uh Finn is compelled to ask him a bunch of questions about what his early life was like and why 
Martin left and Martin doesn't really want to talk about any of it. Hey, Martin? Yeah. Uh, I think I really need some answers to stuff. Like, where did I come from? Or who's my mom? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> okay, uh, long story short, you were born on a boat, I guess. Like a banana boat in the middle of the ocean. So all kinds of stuff tried to eat you. Whales and fish. Squids. Uh, there was a tiger. It seems like maybe he could be kind of making stuff up just so that he doesn't have to, you know. Um, I guess the sense that I got was that maybe he was making things up because he really wasn't his father and was just, you know, in some way pretending to be his father was beneficial to him in some way. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be just that he didn't want to go into it because he doesn't like to talk about the past or something like that. But it, it, there was that moment of like, oh, is this guy telling the truth? I think you don't want to accept that Martin is I, Finn's I, father. I, I certainly don't. I, I think on some <laughs> level you know that he is, but I, I just don't think you're ready to deal with it. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Finn is far uh, readier to deal with it than I am. Well, you know, I think a lot of what Finn is formed on, as as we learn, is is uh, the things that happened after he was abandoned. He was right. found in the forest. Uh, Joshua and Margaret, who are who are dogs, uh, find him, and they apparently th apparently they thought that he looked that he wasn't a baby human because they don't have a lot of experience with humans, but right. was in fact a mudfish, and so they <laughs> named him Finn. Because right. he was a fish, and then later found out that he was, he was a boy, um, but he was abandoned and needed help, and so that's why he has this mission in life to help other people and be a hero and and all that. I mean, it, it's sort of a classic situation of of uh, you be you become something other than what your parents were. Like you find the trait that you don't like in your parents or hate or detest in your parents and and you swear that you will never be that and you become something different right but that usually presupposes that that parent was in your life for you to rebel against you know That's for true. You to learn the traits and he seems to have developed his hero stuff completely uh completely apart from his dad being there or not being there i mean martin is a sociopath martin is like the the definition of a sociopath like people are literally not on his level like they're either obstacles or there to benefit him and whatever desire it is that he's trying to uh accomplish and it just you know it's just so interesting it, it just makes you wonder like how would he, how was he even ever able to have a child like how did right. that, who I would mean, consent exa exactly <laughs> well exactly. here here i think is where finn as hero really becomes uh, a compelling character and where he really one of the instances in which he proves himself as a hero because his arm gets ripped off right when when martin is escaping from the citadel from this prison and uh and so not only is his dad gone his arm is gone as well his right arm has been right. ripped off his body and so finn decides that he is going to find his father and rip his father's arm off of his body to to get revenge. Um, and this is one of my favorite episodes where he decides to build a tower into space and find his dad at the top of this tower in space 
and rip his arm off. And, and he's like whistling the entire time he's building this tower out of like whatever junk he can find. Whatever junk, whatever pieces of sod and you know, parts of the Ice Kingdom constructing this enormous tower. Yeah, and he, and he sings this song. Baby's building a tower into space. Space is where he's gonna find his dad. Daddy's got an arm, and baby's gonna harm his arm by tearing it off his dad. <laughs> and, and I think that's a, like, just as the instinct of the father is to run, uh, there's some element of the instinct of the child to just be furious with the father for not being ideal or for being flawed or for being terrible. Like, right. you know, the, the instinct to, to, to rip your father's arm off after all the ways that he's failed you. And, and, and that, you know, and that, that led me to this other thought as well, because I think about um, families I know who have children who have uh, divorced or separated. And there's always this question of whether or not people should stay together for the children. Right. Um, and then there's, you know, you, you look at a guy like Martin, like a guy who, of course, is a character, but, you know, is based on there, there are people who aren't that far removed from him yeah. in real life. <laughs> right. Um, like if a person is like that and you can tell their nature their their all consuming nature is to leave should they force themselves to stay or do they possibly do damage to a child by staying around if if they don't want to be there mm, right is is the presence of a bad father worse than the absence of of any father or or a mother you know yeah. it's and sometimes it's just you know the, that those nurturing instincts just aren't there sometimes the person is just wired too selfish and then what should they do you know should they embrace how they really feel or should they stay there and tough it out and does the child benefit from that or yeah well and and in the case of of finn and martin he ultimately decides to forgive his father and and decides to not pursue vengeance any longer and indeed in in the most recent episodes he calls his father he calls martin dad which right. which is one little detail that kept blowing my mind because he's also he freely calls uh joshua the dog father who adopted him uh dad and then mm-hmm. he calls martin dad and that's that's a fluidity that no human i know of is really <laughs> like i know people who've you know, whose parents have divorced and then and then remarried, and somebody always is going to be Steve in that right. equation. <laughs> you can't tell me what to do, Steve. <laughs> You're not my dad, Steve. You know, or or this guy's my dad now. You know, he he wanted the job and uh, right. and you didn't, Steve. Right. <laughs> so you you made this song that posed questions as to whether he's really Finn's father or is he an imposter. You've had time since that song came out to ponder the questions posed. Have you come up with any answers as to what you believe? Uh, I think, you know, the more the stories unfolded, uh, I, I think that they are making the 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 connection and, and solidifying the fact that it is. I, I thought for a while that maybe they were leaving it open mm-hmm. um, with, you know, the combination of how he was acting and how he was evading answering the questions that maybe he wasn't but I think I think now they're you know it's pretty solidified that he is you were just correct earlier I just don't want him to be I don't, <laughs> I don't want to accept it at all I'm, you're not willing to face I am not 
those issues. I abstain from from consecration of that relationship. It's no. <laughs> My vote is no. Well, it sounds like you're a better father then. I bet you're a better father than, than Martin. I bet you're not trapped in a space jail anywhere. No, no, no I didn't do anything to get trapped in space jail. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't, you know. Finn's your son. He came a long way to meet you. Son? Oh, hey, good for you, kid. In other news, I still got to get out of here and the ground is melting. Well, I want to talk about the Catalyst Comet. Oh, boy. Oh, man, which has been stressing me out so badly. (laughs) (laughs) So so this is something that apparently happens every thousand years or so on the, the Earth as described in Adventure Time. A comet hits the Earth and creates great change in the world. And so it's not necessarily a comet of destructiveness. It's just a comet of great change. And and there's been a few episodes where this has been referenced and they've jumped all over the timeline. So I had to go online and, and sort of piece some of this together. Okay. Um, so it turns out one of the comets, as was revealed, I think, in the, the season finale, was a blue comet, which was Finn. Mm. And, and it fell to Earth, and Finn became a butterfly, and then took on many more forms until he's ultimately Finn. Right. Which, which lends the idea that Finn is either a deity or a space alien of some kind. <laughs> um, so we got to grapple with that. Another of the comets was green and evidently contained the lich. And uh. caused the Mushroom Wars, which were the the wars that apparently blew apart a quarter of the Earth, and uh, and caused great devastation. And so now there there has been talk of another comet heading to Earth. And indeed, when uh, Princess Bubblegum loses the election to the King of Ooh to become the princess of the Candy Kingdom, she refuses to campaign because she's keeping an eye on this red comet that's that's heading towards earth to be a catalyst of change right and uh and by the end of the episode i'm not really sure if the comet strikes if the comet is the thing that absorbed martin and took him off to a different plane of existence Mm. or if the comet was finn jake banana man and gunter right Um, gunther slash orgalorg slash Orgalorg and uh, and I'm very nervous about it and I realize the thi- the whole idea of a comet of change a, a catalyst of change heading towards Earth to just change everything and not even necessarily destroy things right. but to upset the order is what has made me very upset now why does why does that upset you what <laughs> what, what is is there something in particular that you would not want to change well, I think it's ultimately a fear of death. Mm. <laughs> you know, the the ultimate change. But I think I maybe I I love the characters so much and I love the situation that they're in that I I don't want it to change. And I think that's a big part of it because most cartoons, most TV shows that aren't cartoons, most uh most movies the world tends to stay the same throughout. Right. Like the the characters might change, situations might change, but the overall makeup of the fabric of of being stays consistent. And if a comet is going to come about, bring about great change, that means an end to things the way they are. And I think I've 
developed great affection for the way things are. Mm. I also but, know that when I was younger, I I welcomed change. I would you know oh move across the country, great, let's do it. You know move move somewhere, do this thing with you know go on a big trip, and you have no money and you have no idea how the trip is actually going to work. Great, that's a change. I'll do it. And now I'm older, and now that stuff fills me with dread. Yeah, no, I uh, I used to be. I think I was like that maybe for like a year. Like uh-huh. I was, I ran headlong into things. Actually, me, me moving to California was probably the last thing that I did like that. Like I just moved out. I just drove from here. I drove to L.A. from Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just staying with my dad, not really having a plan or much of a plan. Um, now that yeah, I would never, <laughs> I would yes. absolutely never do anything like that. Now I am, I and it's I guess there's I, I put those things in a different place now like i put all of that uh risk taking and adventure i try to put that into my work uh-huh so since that's its own struggle it's like i need to keep all of that chaos there and then everything else to be as stable as humanly possible mm. you know what were your circumstances when you moved out to la like how old were you what 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 did you own did you have any money what was the what was the situation okay well i had a. Uh, I had done a year of grad school in the same place that I did undergrad, which is Carbondale, Illinois, Southern uh-huh. Illinois University. So that's also where uh, Serengeti David went. Yeah. Um, and Hannibal, we all went. We were Hannibal all down Burris. there in school together. Yeah, we were all down there in school together. Um, so I graduated, and I was supposed to do um, psychology. I, I got my undergrad in psychology. I was supposed to go to grad school for psychology, but I didn't take the GRE, mm. and so I ended up just getting in this weird program called workforce education that you just kind of had to fill out an application to get into. Uh-huh. And I did it for a year and I got really good grades, but like the grind of taking three hour evening classes for something I wasn't interested in, was just driving me oh. crazy. Yeah. So, um, my thought was that I was going to move to California for a year, uh, take the GRE while I was doing an AmeriCorps program. And I was going to join my mentor professor at the university of Missouri Okay. Um, so I bought a car <laughs> and I put, I put all of my stuff in a Nissan Altima and drove to LA. So this is, this is change. This is the, the Altima represents the comet here. I think yeah, that was cert- <laughs> certainly, that was a green, it was a blue green <laughs> comet, 1997 so a, blue green comet. A combination of the lich and a butterfly. That, that makes sense. <laughs> um, so what did that feel like when you knew that that enormous change was upon you? Okay, I'll tell you this, because I just I had just learned how to drive maybe like a year and a half before this. Oh, wow. Because um, I'm from Chicago, and I took public transportation everywhere, right. and I learned how to yeah. drive when I was in college. Right. And um, I got about two or three hours out of, uh, of, um, of Illinois, Carbondale, Illinois, headed west, and there was this giant thunderstorm. Mm. just really big mean thunderstorm uh and it starts raining and starts pouring and i got the wipers going but uh the windows start fogging up Mm. and i got really really frightened and it got to the point where the visibility was so poor that i was I, i don't even know if i can do this and then you know what i remembered what you remember? I remembered. Hey, there's a button on this car that unfogs the windows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that's on I've, a lot of cars. 
Yeah, I, I, fa- I found the defrost button, uh-huh. and then I was okay. <laughs> Me and having just learned how to drive, I actually did not remember that that was a thing. That was, you know? and did that feel symbolic? Like, okay, there there are defrost buttons in life. We can well, find it, you know, now it does. At the time, I was just like, okay, what else do I need to figure out about a car really fast? <laughs> how else do you drive cars and not die in a storm? Yeah, I I had my catalyst comment was when I'm. Uh, I mean, I had moved a few times, and then I settled down in Seattle and bought a home, and mm-hmm. you know, got a got a good job and and felt very settled. And then lots of things led to a catalyst of uh of moving to minnesota and instead of an altima i went by train my me and my mm. whole family moved out by train because wow. it, it was cheaper and we just shipped a lot of our stuff okay and then so you we lo- travel with it no no we traveled with some stuff not a lot and uh but then we found ourselves like on a train uh with because I didn't want the, it's like a three hour flight between Seattle and, and the Twin Cities. I didn't want to have to figure out all that change in mm. three hours. But, wow. but over two days, that seemed okay. I could do that. Right. You could kind of pace it out and plot out. Yeah. I could different. stare out the window and uh, through Montana and, and try to figure, figure all that stuff out. But I have, it's funny. I, I love Minnesota. I'm so glad I moved here. I have a, I got a tattoo of the state of Minnesota on my arm. I'm in, I love this place, but I have dreams sometimes up to like four or five times a week of about moving. I I was traumatized by this event and I still have these dreams where I need to load stuff up and I need to get, you know, get to the, the train or get in the car because we're we're moving across the country and I'm always with my family we're moving across the country and I I think it's possible to both enjoy having moved somewhere and, and be happy with the decision but also be traumatized by the event wow. and I think I might have some sort of PTSD it sounds like it about this move and maybe that's why the catalyst comet on adventure time upsets me so much like Oh no! People are going to have to move. Like, let alone that they might die or society might crumble. <laughs> like, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Somebody, somebody might have to might have to pack something here. This is <laughs> might not, have to this to pack up one of those storage pods. Oh no! What are they going to do? So, Jeremy, this is Mike here. How are you doing today? Very, very good. How are you, Mike? I'm doing fantastic. It's really exciting to have you, man. Thanks for taking some time out and talking to us. Oh, yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. How did the role come to you? How did you find yourself playing the role of Finn in Adventure Time? I came into uh, playing the role of Finn in a kind of a cool way. Um, my older brother, Zach, actually played the role of uh, Finn or Penn in the original pilot when it was uh, a little uh, short, a little Nicktoon short at Nickelodeon. And uh, obviously they didn't pick it up, and then uh, Cartoon Network picked it up three years later. And I guess they just kind of assumed that, um, you know, my brother's voice uh, had changed. And so they just kind of opened it up for casting. And at that time, um, I was 12 when, you know, the show started and the auditions were going on. And my voice sounded a ton like his, and I was the same age as he was when he initially recorded it. And so I even kind of tweaked it a little bit. I looked up the old uh, short on YouTube, because obviously we did it. And then, uh, you know, sent to my audition. Uh, I went back once or twice, met with Penn and uh, some of the creative people, uh, auditioned at Cartoon Network. Uh, and then I got the call that I got the job. And then I, I don't think anybody except for Penn uh, knew that I was his brother until the first day of recording. I think they just, you know, thought it was a very happy coincidence that they got someone that sounded, you know, just like the original. 
so you started it when you were 12. Had you done a bunch of work before that? Yeah, I have. I am. Um, I've done a bunch of stuff, uh, you know, live action on camera and voiceover uh, prior to that. Okay. Wow. I've actually been acting since I was like five years old. So at that point, okay, I had, wow. you know, been in the business for a while, actually. Having taken on this, this character who is, you know, a boy and he's a boy who I believe he was 12 as well. Right. When the show started. Yeah, when the show started, uh, I was 12, and then the character at the start of the show was 12 as well. But I think throughout the uh, course of the show, they've actually, uh, they, they actually, they have, they've aged him up. Uh, he's had like a few birthdays in the shows, and he's getting a little bit older, which is which is nice for me, because, you know, <laughs> right. sometimes it's a little bit hard <laughs> to get a 12-year-old voice. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, being that, uh, you know, that it's a, a similarly aged character, do you see yourself in, uh, in Finn? I think as far as like an animated uh, adventuring warrior champion character goes, I think uh, Finn is, you know, is kind of, I guess, what I would be in a uh, animated, crazy post-apocalyptic world. <laughs> and how how would you say that Finn is like you? Like, what traits do you guys share? I think that Finn is pretty uh, pretty happy-go-lucky for the most part. He, uh, you know, he's an happy kid. He's very joyous. He likes doing doing fun stuff. Um, you know, Finn sucks at math. I suck at math. There's, a, there's another one. <laughs> It's a pretty uh, pretty easy thing to go with. Um, obviously, Finn is a dog person. You know, I'm a dog person. Right. So there you go. There's another one. So I guess it's a little bit of a far cry uh, in that sense. Your world is certainly not post-apocalyptic. And I and I was thinking about Finn being the only human uh, that we're aware of in the land yeah. of Ooh. And like, how what is there some inner motivation or something inside of Finn that you that you think keeps him? from completely losing his mind at that fact? Um, I think, uh, I think it's helpful for Finn, the fact that, you know, he's so like close to, uh, to Jake and kind of their like brother relationship, you know, as much as he's like the only human in some ways, that would be a very kind of bizarre, um, almost semi lonely thing. I think the fact that he's kind of grown up not having other humans around. So I think in some part, he's kind of used to that. Um, and it's just kind of the world that he lives in. And, uh, you know, he's very, He's very close with Jake, and he has that kind of awesome brother relationship. So I think that, you know, you'll see times when Finn kind of goes off and does, you know, kind of crazy stuff, and he kind of does, like, that soul-searching stuff. Uh, usually, kind of, Jake is almost like the lightning rod that kind of, you know, brings him back and brings him back center and right. kind of a good, wise guy. Do you have any characters that you, uh, outside of the one you play, of course, that are, that are your favorites? Oh, I love all of them. I think outside of Finn, I would probably say uh, the Ice King. I love the Ice King. He's one of, of my course. favorites. Me too. Me too. He he lives he's in my awesome, heart. Dude. Simon lives in my heart. Oh, for, for sure. sure. He's so he's so misunderstood. <laughs> I love how I love his character act. How like he starts out being like the villain of the show, and then you know season four or five, he ends up being this weird like Craigslist roommate to Finn and Jake, which is awesome. <laughs> Excuse me, Ice King. We've told you a thousand times. This couch ain't for cuddling. Sure it is. It isn't. Mm, it's cozy. You know, I've kind of noticed that there are many characters on the show who kind of were presented initially as villains. But then they sort of get softened and humanized. I think, like you know, Marceline at at some point was was a bit of a yeah. villain. And then I've even noticed in some episodes, maybe maybe Finn's almost a villain, like when he's playing with the little people, or or Jake is mad at Finn, so he's kind of a villain for an episode. In that sense, it almost relates to real life because a lot of times, you know, nobody is one hundred percent perfect, and you know, people have right. levels to them, and they have things that they're good at, they have things that they're not good at, and you know, ultimately, we're all enticed into certain things we shouldn't be doing at times. And, so I think that's a really, really cool trait that, you know, all the characters have. And then even characters, you know, that you think, oh, they're like an evil villain. At times they can do something that really shocks you. And you're like, wow, that was actually really heroic and really good. 
Do you have an episode that was most fun for you or one that you think of fondly? Hmm. I'm really a fan of the, the episodes semi more recently with, uh, with Finn's dad. Uh, oh, his yeah. Dad I love stuff. all of those. Yeah, those are all really, really cool. I love how, you know, it kind of is a really cool thing they did. Instead of making it like this, you know, kind of happy uh, family reunion, which I think is what a lot of people were expecting, they kind of made it into, you know, his dad is not the, you know, the greatest guy in the world. And I think it's really cool to, for a lot of kids that don't have, you know, great home life and, and don't have good parental figures, they kind of show that, you know, things relatable uh, in that sense. And then I like how they also, like, the more you get into that storyline, too, you see that, you know, his dad is kind of a, he's kind of a little bit of a jerk, but also he just kind of never really grew up. He's just kind of selfish. He's not even, you know, at times doesn't even, like, mean to intentionally harm Finn or other people around him. He's just kind of a, right. a selfish guy. And then there's an episode, you know, you know, where there's kind of a slight <laughs> reconciliation there between, uh, between Finn and his dad, and, and Finn kind of comes to a, uh, a point of, like, forgiveness and kind of acceptance, which is really cool, too. But why do you always run from everything? You burn enough bridges, the only direction to move is forward. Hmm. Well, there ain't no change in you, I guess. I think that one did just air, and I saw it, and there's that little moment where, yeah, Finn kind of realizes, oh, he's not, like, a bad guy. He's kind of set on this survival mode that just doesn't really consider other people <laughs> that much. Exactly, yeah, definitely. That's a, that's, a, that's a perfect way to put it, yeah. I mean, and I know you're you're uh you've been in the business a long time. You're you're very professional, but I also wonder, do you ever find yourself feeling close to John DiMaggio in the way that Finn is close to Jake? Do you ever is there ever any emotional confusion <laughs> in your real life <laughs> roles because of how you how close you guys are on the show? Um, you know, it's uh obviously just for the you know pure sake of time spent together. Uh, I have a good relationship with him and know him, you know, pretty well because we literally been, you know, I've seen him almost, almost every single Tuesday basically for the past, you know, what six years at this point. So, really, wow. my whole kind of junior high, high school years has been, you know, seeing him every single week. So, I think the relationship that me and John have in real life, you know, we're obviously you know, professional and we're actors and stuff, but, um, you know, I think he's kind of, I see him kind of as like a, you know, kind of like a fun uncle type person, which is kind of, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, is kind of what Jake is to Finn too. Also, on top of that, um, I think John has been a very, very good uh, mentor to me as far as, you know, voice acting goes, because um, he's obviously one of the, you know, one of the best. There's a, you know, him, Tom Kenny, D. Bradley Baker, all those guys are like some of the best of the best. And so they've had a really, really, you know, great effect on me just learning from them and watching them, you know, week in and week out, uh, do all these different voices and all these different characters and stuff and seeing their kind of techniques, I think has also been a really, really uh, cool thing for me to be able to see that and, you know, essentially get taught and mentored in a way that nobody else would have the opportunity to be. So that's kind of cool. What kinds of things have you been able to pick up being around them? Uh, I think a lot of it uh, is uh, just like little things that you wouldn't think, like even some stuff when you're in the booth and whatnot. Um, and then from that to uh, seeing them kind of come up with characters and seeing kind of how they do mm -hmm. that. And also just the fact that, you know, they're essentially like fearless when it comes to voiceover and they, uh, they're definitely not afraid to kind of take chances and, and, and do uh, crazy stuff, uh, and you know, just watching them and kind of mimicking them in some ways, uh, and seeing some of the voices they do, and kind of seeing how they do it has been very, very interesting. Some of it you couldn't even, I couldn't even explain to you. You just kind of have to watch them work, and you kind of pick up on stuff. Are you able to think of a, a story or something that's happened on your time with the show that that you'll never ever forget? That you'll be able to think about for years to come. 
Uh, well, I mean, I think one of the really cool things is just all the kind of, I guess, celebrity people that we've uh, had the opportunity to work with. You know, I got to uh, work with, you know, Mark Hamill on this show. Um, yeah, that's I got awesome. to work with, like, yeah, that was, that was one of the coolest things ever. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So just, like, stuff like that is really super amazing. Um, you know, I got to work with, I'm a huge fan of The Office, and, like, Rain Wilson uh, plays Dwight on The Office, came in. Uh, he plays rattle balls in the show. I was a member of an elite robot police force created by Princess Bubblegum. Her previous attempts at law enforcement had been a bunch of goofs. But he, um, it was kind of a crazy moment when he came in because he, uh, they sat him right next to me in the booth. And then he was kind of like almost looking at me and like asking me like, oh, like, how should I like do this? Or like, is there like, you know, it's like asking for tips almost. And I'm kind of like, what? Like, dude, you're like, we're in motion, you know? Like, <laughs> to me, like, that was just kind of a, a very surreal, bizarre moment. But it was, it's amazing to me the people that, like, I'm a fan of that, you know, you'll find out are a fan of your work. And that's kind of a really cool thing. One of my favorite things about uh, the character you play is that he has some of the best uh, lingo that I've, I've ever heard on a television show. Just some of the things that they come up yeah. with for Finn to say are amazing. Scrog that! I'm going to use these hands to sock him in the chops! In the chops! Do you have, you know, some Finn lingo that's your favorite? I like the one line where he's like, Wanda uh, for win! I like that one. That was really funny. Uh, <laughs> I also, I, I dig, uh, I like, uh, you know, Schmalzow, Slamacow, those are... Uh, those are, those are my, like, tippy tops, obviously. Whenever I go to a Comic-Con or something, you know, people are like, oh, do the voice. Usually usually my go-tos are, like, you know, uh, mathematical or obviously the, you know, crowd pleaser. What kind of it? But, I mean, there's always, like, the ones that I forget that I've even done, and then people remind me of them, and <laughs> those are, I just gotta, oh, those are the best ones. I noticed uh, in, in one of your examples you sang a bit there, and the character sings quite a bit, too. Are you... Are you into? Do you do a lot of singing outside of the show? Uh, yeah, actually. I mean, the funny thing is, like, this, the singing that I do in the show is obviously, you know, me singing as Finn. So there's kind of got to be a certain amount of. Uh, usually, the songs on the show kind of have a certain amount of like spontaneity to them, uh, and they're very like on the spot and kind of uh, raw. What am I to you? Am I a joke? Your knight or your brother? What am I to you? Do you look down on me because I'm younger? Do you think that I don't understand? I just wanted us together and to blaze a band last night. Uh, and so in that sense, you know, that's, and I have to do them in Finn's voice, so they're very kind of different from my professional singing. But um, but in real life, uh, I actually am part of a band uh, called Make Out Monday. And uh, yeah, I'm one of the lead singers in that. I sing and play bass, which is really cool. So music is definitely a, a big part of my life, too. Yeah, the show songs, they end up sounding pretty raw, but do, are they pretty well rehearsed, or are they sort of uh, improv, maybe one or two takes, and they just kind of take that with the fresh energy? Honestly, um, I mean, there's, they're not, like, improv in the way that, like, I'm just coming up the words in the spot, because, you know, there's a script, but, uh, but there's, no, there's not, there's very, very little preparation to them. I mean, half the time, honestly, kind of like I get in the booth, they're like, oh, you have a song today? I'm like, oh, okay. That's <laughs> 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 good, I'll roll with it. And then they, like, kind of... You know, they'll play like a little rough track, which is just one of the storyboarders, you know, like just kind of maybe singing a little baseline melody on a, a ukulele. Sometimes it's not even that much. It's just kind of like, oh, you know, here's kind of the lines. Here's kind of what we're thinking. Just go for it. Do whatever. I'm like, all right. Uh, so, yeah, they kind of, uh, you know, they come off spontaneous, but uh, they kind of are, too. They're very, very, they're very, very off cuff and just kind of right on the spot and just kind of winging it half the time. That was our talk with Jeremy Shader, the voice of Finn on Adventure Time. Thank you, Jeremy, for lending your time and talking with us a bit on the Conversation Parade. 
Conversation Parade and Adventure Time podcast is a production of the Infinite Guest Network and American Public Media. It's hosted by John Moe and myself, Mike Eagle. The Adventure Time end credit song that you heard on this podcast was written and performed by Ashley Erickson. Thanks to Larissa Anderson, Steve Nelson, and Peter Clowney for help making this podcast. And a special thanks as well goes to Cartoon Network. We want to hear from you out there, watchers of Adventure Time, listeners, the Conversation Parade. He's at John Moe. I'm at Mike underscore Eagle. And we're at Infinite Guest on Twitter. Thank you.